The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, we are back from our West Coast playoff road trip, and so are Marty's allergies. He is rocking the sunglasses here, folks. A ton has happened since I left, since we left. We have fans back in droves, and they are changing the playoffs. Trey Young has just out of nowhere, he's always had a hateable face. Now he is a hateable fucking villain. Nate McMillan, that hasn't changed. Still lost in the playoffs. <laughs> Luca is cooking the Clippers, so that hasn't changed. Happy to be back, Marty. Lots to talk about. So let's just get to it and drop the beat. Let's start with a quick review of what's popping around the league, shall we? Let's begin with Naomi Osaka. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, number two women's tennis player in the world. I know it may sound weird that we're bringing a tennis player up on an NBA podcast, but I promise, just stay with me. Yeah. We are going somewhere. The girlfriend of recording artist Corday. Oh, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Also, the highest paid female athlete in the world. So that matters too. She's sick. She is sick. On her Instagram post today, she wrote a long assed iPhone note that she put on her IG stating that she is not doing interviews during the French Open because the media, <laughs> here we go, the media has no regard for athletes' mental health. Here are some other highlights. I've watched many clips of athletes breaking down after a loss in the press room, and I know that you have as well. I believe that situation is kicking a person while they're down, and I don't understand the reasoning behind that. I've also been asked the same questions multiple times or asked questions that bring doubt into my mind, and I'm not going to subject myself to people that doubt me. Whoa. Okay. So (laughs) what does that have to do with anything? She's about to get fined. She says, you know what? I make a lot of money. I'm not going to subject myself to this. Pay. I'll pay whatever it takes because my mental headspace is more important than you guys fucking with it. Pay whatever it takes. It's like the anti-Marshawn Lynch. Correct. Correct. And you know what? I so, think yeah. I think we should have seen this coming. We've had a- we've had athletes like Kawhi and Kyrie Irving who I know you hate, but they are <laughs> leading the charge of I really don't want to have these discussions with you. Kawhi doesn't do it. Kyrie has been fined. What if athletes just decide from now on, we're just going to take the fine and move forward? We're not going to do press anymore. We are tired of the stress and anxiety and all of the erosion to our mental health, planting seeds of doubt in their heads, which is frankly what we do. 
frankly. How devastated are you, Naomi, that you just lost to Serena Williams? Tell me about how devastated your mental state is right now. Like on a scale of (laughs) one to therapy for life, where are you at right now? I mean, come on. Right. So what do we expect? Of course, you know that they're devastated. But I think that this is not only interesting for tennis, but it is for the NBA, and I think it is for pro sports in general. So let's break this down. Pro athletes, we know, are all capable of performing at the highest level physically. The difference between a great, a good athlete and an elite or a great athlete is what? Their mental side, right? Mm-hmm. Getting to that place where being mentally strong is super critical to success. And it has taken time. I even talked to a media member about this the other day, about how even when LeBron James was coming into the league, he was had a rubber band that he would flick across his wrist. He would bite his nails. What is all that a sign of? That's internal anxiety coming out in the form of physical tics. And it takes time to get beyond that. And the more you block yourself out from the noise, the more you can elevate and get to a place of mental stability. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. so why would you then decide to sit in front of the media and have them ask you questions that trigger you, your emotional (laughs) self-doubt, insecurities, anxiety, which all human beings are susceptible to? Professional athletes are not immune to that. We know that to be true. Ask Ben Simmons why he doesn't shoot threes. I can promise you that's anxiety. That's what that is. Self-doubt, anxiety. Right. You so, see, I mean, it, it manifests itself in free throws a lot. You see guys that are good shooters in game, but like when they have to sit there and think about yeah. it happens in golf. It yeah. happens in any sport, that, especially yeah. once there's time to think. Yeah. Iguodala and Tim Duncan come to mind. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, we as media, our design is to bring out emotions, pull out emotions at the most heated particular time that they have and be like, hey, uh, why don't you tell me what you're feeling right now? Like, what are we like? That's what we do for headlines, for clicks, breaking down the game, predicting based on their mental state, how things are going to be moving forward. If I was them respectfully, fuck that. Pay the money, whatever it takes. I make millions and millions of dollars. Nothing is more valuable than your piece, especially when your entire job relies on that. Which made me think about this conversation that I had with Chris Haynes. I had a conversation a couple of days ago with NBA insider Chris Haynes, and he told me this. I don't think we're going back to in-person interviews anymore. I think it's going to be Zoom from here on out. Because now that the pandemic eliminated in-person conversations where you can't just corner someone and stick them there, they literally have 10 questions and then they get the fuck out and all of that is happening publicly. I think the athletes are going to say, you know what, let's just do it that way. Wow. How (laughs) much does that change things? How much is that an interesting wrinkle moving forward? Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. I mean, I I don't think I would really care that much, you know. I don't I, I haven't missed the in-person interviews. I know you I know I miss them. Yeah, I mean, you, you've been on that side of the of the podium, so what do you think about it? I think it's tough. I think anybody who's trying to break into the business is going to have a really hard time developing yeah. relationships unless they're a beat reporter. And I don't even know if you're going to be allowed to go to practice or if you're going to have issues with that. So it's going to be really, really strange. And I think, you know, the athletes know they don't need us. We do need them. So sure as shit. That is that is where we're at now. This league, ultimate this league. Uh, Let's be real. We have been cooped up 
all of us for a while now. I was talking to a friend about this. Like you get into these social situations and you haven't been with strangers before. And you're like, uh, I don't like, what do I ask? Like, what do I say? I, I don't know how to interact the same way that I did when I was at bars and restaurants and meeting strangers on a day-to-day basis. I mean, we've basically had our own circle. We've had Zoom mm-hmm. for a long time now, and now we're out in the world again. How do, what does this also have to do with basketball? This has to do with fucking being a fan. There is fan <laughs> etiquette that is being broken, we'll say. We have now regressed in terms of social skills, I believe. The world is open, and now fans are in the buildings, and now I think it's like the Roman Roman Coliseum, like Roman times. Fans just fucking throwing shit, yelling, spitting, gnawing, charging. It's crazy. Uh, We have fans acting like they've never been inside of an arena before. It's just animal behavior, reverting back to our base level instincts, which are not good. Not good. Mm -hmm. Feels bloodthirsty, does it not? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's some of the stuff we've seen, I mean, in the last two days is pretty, pretty indefensible. (laughs) I would say this is the, this is the type of thing that you would expect out of Utah. Right. What are we seeing? Unspeakable behavior fodder for this podcast. Yeah. The first one comes in the Mecca of basketball where the Knicks have not been good for 20 year plus years. They made that playoff run in 12. Yeah. Or 13, whichever it was. Good then? I don't know. Yeah. Now we have full capacity. The Knicks are fucking back. We, as society, are back, baby. Like, you don't even have to wear masks places anymore. If you have a vaccination card or a negative PCR test. I was just in Phoenix Suns Arena, and holy shit, it was like, back. Oh, yeah. We are oh, yeah. back. I'm sure your brother who works for the Suns, I'm sure he knows it is back. Which I love. But we are now back at like 230 AD, where it's like Roman columns and fucking Greek, like... What are those leaves on your head and shit? <laughs> and everybody's like, fuck Trey. You have a seven-year-old with his parents being like, fuck Trey Young. Fuck Trey Young. Like what? That was game one. I would have gotten in so much trouble if I did that. Think about that. Game two, someone spit on Trey Young. Spit on him. Do you know what should happen to you if you spit on someone? You catch hands. You catch hands. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's like the most disrespectful thing that you can do besides like peeing or ejaculating on someone's face or something yeah, like that. Those would be worse. Those yeah. would be worse. I prefer spit. I would prefer spit to that yeah. too. I'm not, a, I'm not anti-spit. I'm just anti-spit in that in that setting. Yeah. And he caught a lifetime ban. MSG said, we investigated the matter and determined that this patron who is not a season ticket holder did indeed spit on Trey Young. And for that reason, he is now banned from the garden indefinitely. The garden is a fucking dope place to be, to be banned from there indefinitely. That's like, he's going to need another identity. He's just going to need another identity to get in. That's tough. I mean, and he sits close. So you can imagine he goes quite often. Yep. This is, he's got enough money. Yeah. <laughs> now it's all fun and games. Like Kevin Durant said, until you get fucking lifetime ban. Yeah. We also had fans passing pieces of paper around to slander Trey Young about, again, what is he doing? What are they doing? Playing on his insecurities. See, I liked that, though. I thought that was funny. I I had no problem with it. I don't have a lot of problem, but what it is is like, Trey Young's balding. Trey Young's balding. And you're like, what? (laughs) What? And you literally have... Trey Young being like, where's the fuck you now, bitch? It's quiet as hell in here. Shh. You're like, whoa, what is happening? Yeah, Adam Silver should love this, by the way. This is very, very soccery. It is. Very soccery with the chants. Very EPL. He should be 
we'll just keep it there. He should be happy. <laughs> I'm sure he is. He should be happy. That is MSG for you, but that is not professional fan behavior. Very similar to what it was for me when I was at Oregon. Quick story. I am a senior at Oregon. Kevin Love, there's Kevin Love's dad, Stan Love, played for Oregon. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of chatter that Kevin Love would come to Oregon. He was a huge recruit. I don't know what happened. I don't know if we didn't recruit him and he felt like we didn't recruit him fast enough or what, or he just completely discarded Oregon from his thoughts. But he obviously chose UCLA. He's a freshman at UCLA. We're sitting in the student section of Mac, Mac Court, which was tiny. And the even the uh, rims and backboards would shake. It would get so loud. Mm-hmm. Literally off the fucking thing. It was like... Almost you put an outdoor court inside, right? There was literally like a pillar. Yeah. So we passed around these sheets that had all of these different Kevin Lund fat chants. It was like, baby fat. It's like, Stan, <laughs> it's like talking about how Stan Love is gay. Like they're coming after his way. It was tough scene. It was <laughs> such a tough scene that the... Uh, SID, the sports information director and athletic director had to put out a public statement condemning our fan base. Like they had to actually eliminate fans in the student section from certain games. After that, we got penalized. And that was like how it felt with Trey Young at MSG. Just crazy, crazy. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. And then we go to Philly. Moving on. Worst fan base in sports. Russell Westbrook injured his ankle. He goes to the locker room and somebody fucking puts popcorn on his head. What happens when you get popcorn thrown on your head? You catch hands. You know what's going to happen. You that catch was, hands. That, that was his quote. He was, he was like, in any other situation, you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to catch yeah. hands. That's what he means, right? You don't do something in an arena that you would normally catch hands for and not catch hands. That's what happened in the Malice of the Palace. That's where we're at. We're getting to that boiling point of Malice in the Palace. And like, that's not normal, is yeah. it? Yeah, this is the second time Russ has gotten into it with a fan. Hundred percent happened in Utah. In Utah. Yeah, yeah, happened in Utah. Said, I'll fuck you up. And you, you and your wife. <laughs> yes, that's Russ. You don't do. If you're gonna come after an athlete, go after Mason Plumley. Mason Plumley's not gonna give you hands. Maybe he will, but like you don't come after Russell Westbrook. You don't come after Bradley Beal, which is that, that what they did? They said uh, he was like. They said something crazy to me and my kids were sitting next to me like at the same time and they're just fucking going off. I don't know what crazy means, but if Bradley Beal is saying they were saying some crazy shit, I would expect some slurs in there. You can imagine it was bad. It was bad. Bradley fucking Beal, one of the most likable guys in the NBA, and the NBA is just not doing dick about it. They need to protect them. They need to figure out a way. Yeah, lifetime ban is cool, but like, I don't know how you do it. Just going backwards, Philly fans, worst. They've got to be the worst. This is why I bang on them. They just throwing popcorn on people. They're like coming after Bradley Beal's kids. What are we doing? Derrick Rose, though, was the best part of this whole thing. They asked Derrick Rose, what did you think about the whole Trey Young incident? Trey Young being this villain, telling everybody to shut the fuck up. The fans telling him, fuck you. And he was like, listen, NBA soft now. <laughs> The NBA is soft now. I've played an NBA series. This is what he said. I've played an NBA series where my mom had beer poured on her. That's what the NBA is about. Mm. I don't know if that's true. I don't remember that. I feel like we would have. He said that. Unless unless he kept it private, which sounds like. uh... He's like, yep, that's part of the game. Yep. Where you can go and you play in a game and your parents get assaulted by rival fans. That is part of the game. And anything past that, anything less than that is just soft. Now we have Utah fans having a beer with John Morant's dad. That's fucking soft. 
Everyone's soft except for MSG and except for Philly. So I don't know what to make of that. But fans, you guys need to just calm the fuck down. Calm the fuck down. Uh, It's all fun and games, like they said, until your ass gets banned for life. Oh, man. Speaking of the Knicks, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Man. Okay. Knicks Hawks. Got to be one of the best series. Low key. Low key, one of the best series in the playoffs. Did Wait, you expect this? Yeah, oh, yeah. Did. I mean, I think we talked about it. I think, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. This, and I think we said Miami, Milwaukee and was going to be interesting, not, which is not. But yeah, yeah no, we we circled this one. Tons of drama. Trey Young going off. But what I want to talk about is how the Hawks blew a huge chance to go up 2 0. I want to be right again. That's basically what this is. I want to highlight the fact that Nate McMillan is not the one. So, playoff Nate McMillan, you know him. You know him, you love him. You've seen it. He's one and eight coming out of the first round. I was going to ask to. One and eight. (laughs) Just, I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. He's one and eight coming out of the first round. He's been. Who did he get the win with? Seattle. 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 And he is now getting roasted for his substitution patterns, as he did his entire Indiana career and his entire Portland tenure. Old school coaches, this is what they do they have a plan. Stick the plan, even if the plan's not going well. That's what they do. Never deviate. All right, so 221 in the third quarter. It's 72-72. Nate McMillan takes out Bogdan, Trey Young, John Collins, and then before that, he took Hunter out three minutes earlier. Four of your five starters sat out the last two minutes of the third quarter and did not come back until 834 in the fourth quarter when they were down 10. Holy fuck. This is exact. Even Dave. Dave tweeted, are they just going to wait until they're down 20 to bring Trey Young back in? <laughs> like, yes, apparently, yes. This guy now for years has done this. He will not deviate from the plan. He keeps stubborn regardless of what's going on. And, it, and it's not like the, the Hawks were on a roll. Like all the role players were just filling it up. And it's like, oh, I don't want to change things around because we're keeping pace. We're expanding our lead. The Hawks were up the whole game. Until that point where he took Trey Young and all the other starters out. It was like one starter out there. I think it was just Kevin Herter out there trying to get buckets. <laughs> Fucking insane. And no. While the four guys were out, they missed 16 of their 18 shots. They missed 16 of their 18 shots. I repeat, they've missed 16 out of 18 shots. And Nate McMillan just sat there on his hands. And, and, and you could tell something was up because the cameraman just kept showing Trey Young. Why? Was he going to come back in? <laughs> no, no. He didn't think to himself, hey, this is getting out of hand. Like, maybe I should put four-fifths of my offense back on the floor. But no, no, he did not. No. He did not. Trey Young should be playing 40 minutes. And he played 34 minutes. He should be playing thir- 40 minutes. And then they should get the sweep because they could have. Totally in play. Not saying it would have happened. But... Let him sit after the series. He's 20 fucking years, 22 years old. Shouldn't need this much rest. He no. shouldn't need uh, <laughs> six and a half minutes of playtime rest. Right. On the other hand, let's talk about Tom Thibodeau. He did make adjustments. He sat Alfred Payton and Nerlens Noel, who were both starters, for D. Rose and Taj Gibson to start the second half because why? The shit wasn't working. <laughs> shit wasn't working. You're down 0-1. You're about to lose home court, period. You're about to lose them all. Like all they need right, to do is yeah. home. All they need to do is just keep keep their home court, and you are fucking going home. And I can guarantee you, the world will be like, 
This is why we don't tell. This is why we don't deal with Tom Thibodeau. Da, 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 da. But Nate McMillan does not get hold to that same standard. Everybody's like, oh, you know, he really has brought the Hawks back from like the bottom of the East, and they're on the playoffs now. I was like, no, bro, one and eight out of the first out of the first round. There's just now more and more articles coming out saying exactly what I said, which is he's the kind of guy that you have come in when your team has training wheels. They are young. They have no discipline. They are wiling out here on the streets. And Nate McMillan comes here and he takes the training wheels off, makes them real pros, and then a real coach can come in and get you somewhere where you need to be. Because this is not it. This is not it. What do you think about what I just said? I told you I thought that the Hawks lost that game because of Nate McMillan. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I actually I, I watched this game in a bar, so I did forget about uh, that stretch uh, where Trey was out. I mean, yeah, it was a bad decision, and that's when they made their run. It was a, a, a like mid third around, like there, like yeah, that that's when it happened. They came back from ten down to tie, took the whole starting five out almost, and then they were down ten. And that's like, what are you going to do now? You're yeah. down ten, thugging it out for the last eight minutes. Hell no! But that's what Nate does. Nate doesn't get out of the first round, and I don't expect to happen this time around. Speaking of bad choices. <laughs> That's the thing about these playoffs, these choices, choices, like E-40 would say, Uh, particularly at the end of games, coming back to bite your dick off. Let me explain. There is an old adage in basketball. Never let the best player on the court beat you at the thing that they do the best. For example, it's fine if Nikola Jokic scores 50. But the thing that Nikola Jokic really does well that makes them completely unguardable is he's a distributor. Let Nikola Jokic score as many points as he wants. As long as he only has one assist. Right. That's the game plan, right? Because he's going to figure out a way to score. Because he's always going to score. Just take away the thing that you can that will keep them from winning. Luka Doncic. He is the man, right? This is, it seems like. Makes me so mad. Makes me so mad. A little bit. I mean, just because Aiton's playing so well and like. I know. I feel like this should be the time everyone's like really praising him. But then Luka goes and is going to beat the Clippers. I don't know. I mean, this expression seems trite, but this is the reason that John Paxson and Steve Kerr are playoff legends. We had we had to we had to go to Paxson. Had to go to Paxson. Okay. Had to go to Paxson. Jo- right. Jordan right. passed. Thanks for that. The ball yeah. in ninety one and ninety three to Paxson and ninety seven to Kerr because why he was getting pressed on defense and he had to kick the ball out. And even though the Lakers, Phoenix, and Utah all lost, sorry, Marty. Well, Barkley went for the steal. That's why they had the mismatch and Paxson was open. And that's the way. And at the end of the day, though, if you're Phoenix, you say, well, at least it wasn't Jordan beating us. At least it was fucking Paxson beating us. Yeah. The play before, though, Jordan got an easy layup. (laughs) I love your encyclopedic knowledge eroding my argument. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm not not trying to erode the argument at all. I'm just fucking with you. (laughs) But at least they made someone other than MJ beat them, right? Like, that's all you really can ask. Which is why people criticize Tom Thibodeau so hard. Like, you can't have Frank Nilakina on Trey Young. Like, you can't do that. Like, this guy is, like, just above the G League. He's somewhere between, somewhere between I want it and I got it. Somewhere between the G League and starting, right? He's <laughs> sitting on the bench, and you have him guarding Trey Young at the end of the game. And it's like, no, no, Tom Thibodeau, that's not what you do. And he didn't do it again, to his credit, right? Mm-hmm. And he, because Trey Young will cook Frank Nilakina every single day. So the opposite happened, if you recall, in the Grizzlies-Warriors game. Grizzlies were like, listen, anybody but Steph. Anybody. Anybody but Steph. And 
if Wiggins beats you, if Kent Bazemore beats you, if Draymond Green hits a three as a prayer, fuck it. It's a make or miss league. But you just can't let Steph do Steph things. And that's why they're the eight seed, right? Mm-hmm. So the entire Clippers enter the Clippers organization who have basically allowed Luca to do everything that he does well. <laughs> it's <laughs> not even like they've taken anything away. He has gotten a triple-double, and they are now down 2-0. They're in a 2-0 deficit, heading back to Dallas. They've just taken all the games from Clippers. They've just taken all of them. Like, Luka just, Luka just murdering the Clippers. Mm-hmm. 39-7-7 and in Game 1, 31-10-11 in Game 2. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking about doing. I don't know what the game plan is there, but that's, that's we would say, not executing the <laughs> game plan. They just don't have a, have a game plan to execute or an answer for Luke at all. I mean, they do, actually. His name's Kawhi Leonard. But the problem with Kawhi is that when Kawhi has to guard Luka, Kawhi is yeah. so gassed that he can't be offensively valuable. He's not a threat on the other end of the court. And frankly, he needs to He needs to be. He needs to score 40 enough for them to be in the game. And you can't lock down Luka and score 40. It's just impossible. Yeah, Luka's always moving around, too. Like, even when he's off ball. He's hard yeah. to guard, and he's huge. He's physically strong. The difference between him and Steph is that Steph moves around as well, but he's like 180 pounds. And Luka is not 180 pounds. He likes... He likes right. his food. Yeah, he'll do all that like Steph, and then he'll back you down. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that takes a toll more than just running. You're talking about the physical exertion of a huge body just backing into your chest. So that kills him, right? Even after Luca murks the clips in game one, they came out in game two and did the same fucking thing. The exact same thing. That Kawhi had 17 in the first half, and then had... And they still trailed by five at halftime, and then he, I think he had... What was it like... So he had 17 in the first half. They still trailed by five at halftime. And they didn't try to take Luke out of the game until it was too late. And at that point, they had Dorian Finney-Smith, who was seven for nine. You had Hardaway, who was eight for 13. Brunson, four for seven. Richardson, three for five. I mean, what are we doing? Literally, you stopped no one. You made things so easy for Luca that as soon as you keyed in on Luca, these guys felt no pressure at all. They were just able to hit open shots. Too little, too late. Clips looking at a first-round exit, and you know what? You want to hear a little secret? What's that? In the ether, I am hearing there's a good possibility. This is me and my my limited sources. I'm hearing there's a good possibility Kawhi leaves. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I've, I've heard that, too. I think Knicks, maybe. That would be wild, yeah. wouldn't it? He uh-huh. likes New York. New York. Knicks have a ton of cap room. 40, no, $54 million in cap room. Yeah. Promise you, Kawhi might want some of that. I think what uh, also might be fairly likely if they get bounced is that PG is, is bye-bye. Yeah, Just gets traded. That's why when he got extended, I was like, that was a bit early, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> don't you think that was a little early to re-sign Pandemic P? I didn't think that was a good idea at all. I think we even talked about it. It was like episode one. It might have been the pilot. It may have been, yeah. It might have been the pilot. Yeah. Let's talk about playoff P for a second. He just said there is no level of concern being down 0-2. You literally gave up both of your games at home, and they ask you, hey, again, media trying to play on your insecurities and athletes trying to create an armor around themselves and it just fucks everything up even more. We have zero level of concern. Zero level. That's a lie. They are big concerned. I promise you. They are largely concerned about what's going on. Why? Because obviously Kawhi could end up leaving. 
Paul George could end up getting traded. Ty Lue could be on the chopping block. Everything could change. If you get bounced out of the first round, you should be concerned. Look at his stats. Good at first glance, 25 a game, but more concerning is his negative 13 uh, plus or minus average for the last two games. Averaging like 27% from three. Not good. And I know that's like a team stat, but he's supposed to be not only a scorer, but a lockdown defender, and he is neither right now. Yeah, no, he's not playing good defense at all, and he's not shy. I mean, when he's shooting, he's a force. There's no doubt about that. But it's when he's not shooting, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 he looked... I mean, I, I don't know. It's so weird because, like, I mean, he put up numbers. He didn't look completely out of sorts, but, like, he just doesn't look like he's... Himself. Yeah. Here's the thing about emotional anxiety and insecurity. And sure. I don't want to play armchair, armchair therapist here, but the truth of the matter is he was curled up in a fetal position in the bubble underneath his bed, and Doc Rivers had to pull his ass out. He is the guy who needs to avoid the media as much as he possibly can. Say less. The The phrase say less, the phrase say less is for Paul George. Like say as little as you can so that you're not emotionally triggered and you're not emotionally poked because people like me are going to see that and be like, you're not, you're not emotionally strong for this moment. You're not built for this moment. Yeah. Do we think Ty Lue has any idea what to do here? Let's talk about that. So Ty Lue is getting side-eyed. This is the man who manipulated the team to get the Mavs and are about to get swept. Folks, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. He is game planning in a way that makes me a little sus. What I mean, do you say? I mean, I've been a it's been a long-standing thing with me that Ty Lue is a bad NBA coach. I've never once been like, "Oh, that was a really smart thing Ty Lue did." Not once. Anytime you've got guys that are not changing their rotations or not taking timeouts when there's big runs or not finding out a way to neutralize the other team's best player however you possibly can, it's bad. Even Reggie Jackson knows Ty Lue should be scrutinized. We can't let Luka beat us by himself. We can't let their core guys, their main guys, beat us. I mean, it's either one or the other probably. But I've got a lot of faith in this team, and I know guys have a lot of pride. So we'll go back, we'll get to the film, and we'll figure out a way to slow them down. Not beat them. Not stop them. But slow them down. So when Ty Lue and PG says that we are not concerned that you have to win four games, call me skeptical, but nothing about this series tells me that they're going to be able to do anything different and get any wins. Zero wins, I think. Zero. I think this is a matchup nightmare turning out to be exactly that. And I don't know whether they can handle that going forward. I know you've got thoughts. What are they? Oh, I'm just surprised you say you think they're going to sweep. I think they'll get one. I just don't know how. They're going back to Dallas. How are they going to do it? Dallas, Texas, where COVID is not real, (laughs) where Clippers had zero fans and Dallas has all the fans. I just think it's a wrap. Speaking of worry, how worried should we be about Donovan Mitchell's ankle? I mean, more than 0%, I would say. More than zero, yeah. Somewhere between, eh, and pressed. Somewhere between, "Mm, this is nothing, and holy shit, I'm pressed. He's back after missing game one, which he was furious about, and he should have been furious about because that was a terrible decision. Yeah. But geez, he did nothing to squander the chatter, did he? (sighs) 25-2-0, shooting 5 for 10 from 3, so he balled, but he went back to the locker room. And then he came back, and I don't know, 26 minutes only. I know he's coming back, and you've got to, like, inch him in. But man, I don't know. I mean, he missed how many games? He missed, like... 17? Yeah, like... 
It's a lot of games to miss. I thought when he was on the court, I mean, he definitely didn't look. Did I mean, he looked like he was getting more back into his groove. But For sure. Yeah. He looked good out there. Yeah. But still, when you go back to the locker room when you were supposed to play in game one, then you come back out. I don't know. Jazz built up a 20-point lead and then rut row. Spider limped off, appearing to re-injure his ankle, going back to the lake lo- locker room. Grizz went on a run, and then the lead shrank to two points. So let's just be very, very clear. Without Donovan Mitchell, Jazz lose this series. With Spider Mitchell, they win. So they need him. They need him, need him. Right? Would you oh, say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jaw had the most ever points, 47 for a player, 21 or younger in the playoffs, 15 for 20 free throws, 15 for 26 from the field. This series goes back to Memphis tied for at 1-1, and oh boy, it's get your popcorn out. I think it goes seven. This is Jaw's series. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, that's my guy. I, that's I my guy. I don't remember latching on to a young player quite this early in a very is long time. Is this get yourself a John Morant jersey season? Uh, I'm not really a basketball jersey guy. Uh, I may get some gear, though. I don't know. I'll figure something out. I am on the jaw train, too. Whenever he gets his shoe deal, I might get some of those. Jaw! (laughs) It's my favorite thing to say. (laughs) All right. Looks like there may be a wrench in the works in Minnesota with the sale of the team. Ogre, Glenn Taylor to A-Rod and Mark Lore. I thought it was over. Then I didn't look like it was over. Then it seemed like it was over again. Now it looks like it is over, but it's over in the wrong way. According to the latest Woj bomb. This is the sound of the Woj bomb. <laughs> Mayor Orbach, I think that's how you say his name, Meyer Orbach, the second largest shareholder in the Timberwolves, filed a complaint, took it to the streets, the court streets, U.S. District Court, Courts in Minnesota on Wednesday, alleging that the sale violates the team's franchise partnership agreement. What violation, you ask? Well, only the provision Evil Glenn promised the fan base that he'd put in, guaranteeing that the new ownership would not move the team out of Minnesota. Ooh, wasn't in the contract that wasn't there. Lauren A-Rod probably got him to cave by giving him a $20 gift card to Walmart. Uh, the courts now get to decide whether or not the sale offer is valid. And I think it's a naw. It's a naw for me, dog. Wait, I'm, I'm struggling to understand this. So, so there should be a provision in the c- agreement. Uh-huh. that Minnesota is not going to leave Minnesota, that if you buy the team, you are obligated to keep the team in Minnesota. And and uh, Glenn Taylor told the world and also told his partnership partner, I'm not going to sell the team unless there's a provision in there that they can't move. Right. But right now. And right, right now, now there's that, not that provision does not exist in the contract. So this other guy, Meyer Orbach, who owns who's the second largest shareholder of the organization, has the ability to shut the deal down unless that contract provision goes in. So it appears that uh, A-Rod and Mark Lore want to move the team to Seattle. Why would you not, right? (laughs) Why would you not? I mean, come on now. Seattle Supersonics are a dope-ass team, and that city, it would be killer. Yeah, new new Amazon Arena. New Amazon Arena, that's right, Boeing Arena. So... (laughs) Now it looks like they're at a stalemate. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think you may have to go back to square one because I don't think A-Rod and Mark Laura are going to do the deal unless they can move it. Tough, tough scene. Wolves fans, yet another broken promise from the worst owner in basketball. Yikes. Here's another little interesting nugget. Portland. Portland thinks that this is their year to win it all. (laughs) I am hearing that they are highly confident 
that the West is weak as fuck. CP3 is down bad. You you are down bad. You should be very scared. Mm. You should be very scared. He's mm. probably not going to play game three. We'll see. Everybody in the streets is like, yo, he's hurting the team. Everybody in the streets saying that. Even the fans. I have faith, I have faith in campaign. I don't think Chris Paul has to play. Campaign is a baller. He's sick. He is a, his shot is ugly as fuck. Yeah. But he <laughs> is wet. Uh-huh. He is super wet from three. Anyhow, so Portland actually believes, and it's okay. I love my team. I love confidence that my team has, but they believe that they're not afraid of the Lakers. They think that the Lakers are going to beat the Suns and that they're going to beat the Lakers next round. This is the best chance that they have getting out of the West. Finals bound playing fucking the Brooklyn Nets and they can score. Brooklyn can score. They can't, they can't fucking defend. Portland can't defend. It'll just be like 147, 149. Portland wins the chip. That's what they believe. And I think it's like a naw for me, dog. It's a knock. It's a pretty pretty easy knock. It's a pretty yeah. easy knock for me, dog. Like, I'm no st- one else is really talking about you. <laughs> no like- <laughs> one believes in us. So maybe we win. I don't know. I think it's a knock, though, for me, dog. Let's talk about playoff Ben Simmons. Because I already talked about CP3. It's not ideal. So we'll move on from that. Uh, playoff Ben Simmons. Boy. Boy. Was that a tremendous performance. Yeah, he was awesome. He really I was. I was wrong. He game one six fifteen and fifteen, and he knew that was garbage. Even though he said, "Listen, I thought it was pretty remarkable. Like anytime you have fifteen rebounds, fifteen cents, like it's hard to do." Yeah, Ben, but we don't need that from you, do we? We don't need just that. What we need is you to be aggressive. Be aggressive. Be be aggressive. Even uh, Kenny Ken, Kenny asked him, like, "Hey, can we see you like look to score? Because these guys can't guard you because you're fucking huge, and you can just back them down and just take it to the rack and." That's the way we take it to the house. And Ben was like, you know what? That's a tremendous question. Yes. I think that is what I'm going to do from now on. I am going to be a fucking monster and look to score and and not always look to get my teammates involved. And I think that's right. He had 22, 9, and 8, one block, one steal in game two. Lockdown defense. Bradley Beal just looking lost out there. Matisse Thibel also balling. So I don't know. What do you think? I think... He needs to do that in order for this team to go deep. Yeah. Uh, in order for them to compete with uh, the Nets. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Because, I mean, that series is going to be so interesting. I mean, granted, I mean, it has to get there first. I think it will. Uh, I don't know. I, do who, I don't know who's going to guard Embiid. So you got to expect Embiid's going to average. I think it's Blake. Sure. But you got to expect Embiid's going to average 37, 35 to 40 yep. or something in that series. And, yeah. if, and if they can get production out of Ben, that's what they need. If you can get production that, out yeah. of Tobias and George Hill has been tremendous. You can get production out of George Hill, Tobias, uh, Danny Green can hit some threes. Seth Curry can hit, hit some threes. And then if you have Ben Simmons scoring 20, it's fucking chip time. It's yeah. chip time. I will take everything. If Ben Simmons can average fucking 20 from, from here on out, I will I will never call him Mr. Balloon Hands again. I will buy, create a Ben Simmons clamp shirt, be a big Ben Simmons fan. Why? Because he needs to fucking score because he's a point guard. That's why. And it's a scoring driven league. And that's the way it is. Yeah. Fucking facts. It's like when Root, it's like when Gobert scores 20, Utah always wins. Yeah. yeah. That's like. I think a, he had 21 last night. It's, a, it's amazing yeah. how when a player who needs to score scores that you win. Shocking. Yeah. That remains to be seen, though, for now. And color me. Uh, have my eye on it. I'll be locked in on Ben Simmons for the rest of the playoffs here on out. Uh, that's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please like, please subscribe, please rate, please review on Apple and on Spotify. 
Huge difference for us. Unsubscribe, resubscribe. We also have this league playoff merch on sale at the Barstool store. Cop some. I'm sorry I didn't make any sun stuff. They wouldn't do more than like five shirts for me. Fuck them. Don't fuck them, but like fuck them. Don't forget to follow us at, at this league and at Trista Crick on TikTok, IG, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. We will be back Tuesday, actually, because it's Memorial Day weekend. It's my birthday. I turned 35. Marty's going to the Hamptons. He's going to be killing it in the game. <laughs> I almost said some things that I don't actually know. <laughs> That's all the time that we have. Thanks for joining us. This league.